Welcome to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi, the podcast where we think about how we can live healthier, happier, and more fulfilled lives. The contents of this podcast and website are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition and before undertaking any diet, dietary supplement, exercise, or other health program. And now, your host, Dr. Michelle Choi. Hello, folks. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again today. What if I told you that fear is a health risk? And in terms of the concept of fear being a health risk, your doctor may or may not know this, may or may not believe this, as it's traditionally not taught in medical school or in training. However, some of us have been wondering about this through our clinical practice, and perhaps even in our day-to-day. And this is why I bring it up today, because if this is something really important not being discussed with you, Shouldn't we all be advocates for ourselves and get more information? According to the CDC, 80% of doctors' visits are believed to be stress-related. But what really is stress, if not a somewhat socially acceptable word to describe a whole lot of fear, anxiety, and worry? Being stressed is just a nicer term to describe being really hella scared. Fear can be a serious risk factor for disease. And the purpose of today's podcast is not to scare you even more or worsen the fear that we all have, but perhaps more to recognize what's going on to ultimately shift our thinking so that your fearful thoughts are not triggering a stress response in your body, jeopardizing your body's overall health. If we can understand and see what's been going on, perhaps we'll have the courage to change our ways and do something about the stuff that makes us feel bad. Why? Because we can let it go, and it's a process that could be totally worth it. I really admire and respect Dr. Lissa Rankin. I'm not sure if you ever read her books, but she is a legit badass. In her books, she explores peer-reviewed medical literature and the scientific data proving that loneliness, pessimism, depression, fear, and anxiety damage the body, while good relationships, gratitude, meditation, sex, and authentic self-expression turn on the body's self-healing processes. Did you hear that? The body can heal itself. And this is also really important to mention. She writes and describes things in such a way that you're not falling asleep in the middle of it and wiping your partially solidified saliva at the corner of your mouth. While diseases have their biochemical roots, Dr. Lissa Rankin in her book, The Fear Cure, as well as her prior book, Mind Over Medicine, talks about how fear can predispose you to the harmful biochemical influences, that fear is not just a painful emotion, but that it can be a serious risk factor for disease. The reason we're talking about this today is because you can do something about this. But first, we have to recognize how prevalent fear is in essentially all of our lives, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. There are heart rhythms that can kill you. 
like ventricular fibrillation, where their heart ventricles quiver and shake and produce a rapid and inadequate heartbeat, rather than effectively pumping blood rhythmically as they normally do to the rest of the body. And with these life-threatening rhythms, an electric shock is needed to stabilize a rhythm to one that is more effective, and that's why we see AEDs publicly. Folks known to have this problem will have defibrillators implanted in their bodies. In Dr. Rankin's book, The Fear Cure, she describes a study published in the Journal of American College of Cardiology set out to determine whether the fear and anxiety the September 11 terrorist attacks left in their wake increased the frequency of sudden death in patients at risk of cardiac arrhythmias, specifically those patients fitted with implantable cardioverter defibrillators as a result of previous potentially lethal cardiac events. Researchers examined the patient's EKG readings before and after the trauma and found that in the 30 days before September 11, 3.5% of them experienced ventricular arrhythmias. After September 11, 8% did. Fear and even anxiety can significantly increase the risk of heart disease and death. Dr. Rankin writes about researchers at Harvard who decided to prospectively evaluate 72,359 women from the famous Nurses' Health Study, all free of heart disease, over a period of 12 years. This study, published in Circulation, found that women with severe phobic anxiety showed a 52% increased risk of sudden cardiac death and a 30% increased risk of fatal coronary heart disease compared with less frightened women, confirming that it's not just men who die from fear, as prior studies had been mostly done on men. She writes that it doesn't help that those who suffer from heart disease tend to get anxious, and experiencing anxiety after a heart attack triples the overall mortality rate, doubles the rate of recurrent heart attack, and increases the risk of sudden cardiac death sixfold. We are not alone in our past traumas. Many of us have them. And while there are many who have experienced similar things, we don't generally share the unpleasantry and hide it. And we may come to think it's not important anymore. But sometimes the pain and the fear it creates become like handcuffs in our lives. They are past experiences, but the residual from those negative experiences are present in our daily lives if we're not aware. But what if it doesn't have to be this way? And what if you knew fear affects our health? Let's say there's a person named Fred. He grew up in a home where looking over his shoulder was life-saving. His dad was an alcoholic who would go into violent and unstoppable rages. And if Fred wasn't on constant alert, he would get beaten up by his dad. Eventually, Fred learned to function with his guard always up so that he literally was constantly on alert. As a teenager, he began to experience panic attacks, and they happened so suddenly he would feel as if he was going to die. Eventually, he would become so overcome with the fear of the attacks that he stopped going out. He was most afraid of having the attack somewhere where escape was not possible. Eventually, the only place he felt safe was his apartment and stopped going out. But then the attacks started to happen at home, and then increasingly more so, which paralyzed him. He stopped inviting people over because he became afraid that someone would see him during his panic attack, 
and by age 35, he locked himself in a prison that he created, caused by his fear of almost everything. Dr. Rankin states that this kind of phobic anxiety leads not only to emotional suffering, it may also lead to illness and premature death. While fear is natural and everyone experiences moments of fear, some people feel fearful on a regular basis, and these frightened, anxious people have been well studied. Countless studies link anxiety, phobia, panic disorders, and heart disease. The U.S. Health Professional Follow-Up Study examined close to 34,000 men with high levels of phobic anxiety over two years and found a 2.5 times higher risk of heart disease, including a six times increased risk in sudden cardiac death. According to the article, stress has a profound impact on how your body systems function, says Lorenzo Cohen, PhD, Professor of General Oncology and Behavioral Science and Director of the Integrative Medicine Program at MD Anderson. Health experts are still sorting out whether stress actually causes cancer. Yet there's little doubt that it promotes the growth and spread of some forms of the disease. Put simply, stress makes your body more hospital to cancer, Cohen says. So this is my question to you. Who would you be if fear wasn't stopping you? And what would you do if you could be less afraid? And maybe it's possible to work out our fears. On today's show, Josie Teresi returns to the show to talk about fear. Our traumas are real, but what if the fear that we carry in our lives is an illusion? She is the author of You Were Born a Star, Now What? as well as other books. She is a certified Reiki healer, esoteric healing practitioner, hypnotherapist, as well as an intuitive life coach and spiritual counselor. Welcome back to the show, Josie. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's good to see you again, Michelle, and be back on the show. Well, I guess this is what I wonder. I wonder if fear rules our society. We're afraid of unwanted pregnancy, infertility, getting raped or beaten up. We're afraid of honoring people's rights and treating people equally. We're afraid of the clear abuses that exist in our political system. We're afraid of failure, success, of failing to discover and afraid to discover our true purpose in life. We're afraid of having no money, but we're also afraid of having too much money. We're afraid of being an asshole or being too nice. We're afraid of honoring who we are, but, and we're afraid of getting judged or not being in line with the traditional idea of success and being called a freaking loony. We're afraid to wear something a little different. We're afraid to make mistakes. We're afraid of getting sick and fear of dying. But most importantly, I think many of us are afraid to live. What would you say to that, Josie? Well, first of all, I would say that you're, you're right about the the status of our world at this point in time, that fear is kind of rearing its ugly head at us through the media, through the rioting, through what has been, has taken place in, in, in this very trans, transcending year of 2020. It's, it's definitely a transcending year. We are, as a whole, at, as critical mass, we are giving up 
what is fear-based and going towards what is love-based. And when we do that, the entity of fear kind of rears its head and shows us where we've been, what we've been doing, and the status of that. And Josie, I feel like this is something that's perhaps not new. I think it's been going on for a really long time. But I think right now we're seeing it really kind of like busting open. Like you can't deny the truth in a way, you know. It's kind of like culminated to this point where it's erupted. Yes. Yes. Um, And it's all happening for a reason. It's, you know, um, it's all happening so we can put it out in in the light. Sometimes when dark things happen, especially, you know, from the past and then, and then now in, into, into this present time we're in, um, things have to come out in the open before they can move, before we can move through them and, and have it dissipate. So it's all a huge lesson. As human beings, as individuals, if we individually stand in our truth, Michelle, we can we can become stronger move through our our fear and our fearful emotions by standing in our truth and honoring our fear and every emotion that comes up i just wanted to say that because spirituality means authenticity it means really standing in your truth and speaking from your heart and asking what you for what you want with heart. Um, so being our authentic selves is really part of loving ourselves. And it's all a big tapestry. It's all a huge tapestry of life. As we love ourselves, we put that out there. We become stronger other people become stronger when they see us standing in our truth. It's a good example and it's a good it's a good light to shed on other people and our families and our 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 community to share our authenticity. And I agree with you Josie. I think I think this is what you're saying basically. I it's important to recognize the fear so that we can honor the person that we are, the truth that we have inside of us. Yes. You're at him. You heard me perfectly. Thank you, Michelle. That's beautiful. And, you know, this is a quote. I'm reading Dr. Lissa Rankin's Fear Cure. And this is, I love this quote from her book. Okay. She, she states, what if fear isn't something to avoid, resist, or feel shame about? What if instead fear is here to help you? What if fear is a finger pointing toward everything that stands between you and your true well-being? Most of us devote a great deal of energy to organizing our entire lives around avoiding what we fear most. But fear can be a messenger that wakes you up to everything in your life that's still in need of healing. What do you think about that, Josie? That perhaps fear is a message for you. Oh, yeah. You know, she really she really hit on the practicalities, the everyday things that we deal with that bring us fear. I think when when she was talking, I thought of the, the term yin and yang. And in order for us to feel um, joy, 
uh, to feel bliss in our lives, to feel prosperous and abundant, to feel peace in our lives, we have to be aware of the things that scare us. We have to be aware of the things that are are fearful. It's part of our gig here, I should say. It's part of our gig it, because without it, we're not going to learn our lessons in our lives. And I think it's important, you know, when you recognize fear to determine if that fear is real or if that feel is made up. Because I think to, in some regards, fear is good. If there's a bear behind you, you know, if you don't have that inclination to get the hell away, then you can die if that fear of danger is imminent. Well, that's fight or flight. Yeah, exactly. And that fear is like important to your life, but that fear also gets better. However, I think most of us live with a fear of something or fear of being judged or fear of making mistakes or, you know, or fear of who we, who, you know, who we want to be. And perhaps that fear is not really real. Uh, yes, a fear it seems really real, but it's it's really actually an illusion. It 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 is an emotion that is not opaque. It you can see through it. It's the opposite of the feelings of love. But what I think happens to us is we fear the unknown because we lack the faith that we're living in a very very friendly universe. Or maybe the answer is unconditional love. Well, we've spoke of this before as the emotion between love and fear versus fear in our first podcast. Like that's a true feeling of uncondition is unconditional love. Yes, it's unconditional love. And our goal in our lives is to emulate the love that source feels for every single one of us. And that's the example that, say, a parent gives a child. It's the same, it's the same thing, this unconditional love. It shows the child you are being loved unconditionally, which means you can grow up to be a person who loves unconditionally. So source in its vastness and its grace, it brings us grace in our lives. And it lives within us. The source lives within us. It's telling us you have really nothing to fear. But if you're going to be afraid, give it to me. Give it, turn it over to source. Surrender it. Somehow letting it actually go. But I guess in order to Releasing let it go, it. Yeah, you have to almost recognize what's been leading your life, I think. Well, here's the concept. When you, everything starts in the head. Everything starts in our brain. Say we have a really positive thought or we have a concept or we have an idea or we, and we're, you know, we're naturally afraid of it because it's the unknown, right? But it's positive and it's, and it's productive and we know it is. We can't keep it in our head. We have to let it go down to our hearts. And that's where positivity lives in our hearts. So... We need to create the balance between the joy in our heart and the sorrow that lives in our lungs. Now, it's not a scientific fact. You mean like sorrow manifests in your lungs sort of yes. thing? Yes. Sorrow manifests in, in the lung area. I can show, but what you do is you cross your hands and you put a pressure point 
on your your lung point and your heart point here. And you just you press you press. And what it does is it balances the sorrow in your lungs and the joy in your heart and and creates more of a balance. So we manifest things. And it's interesting because what you did, Josie, it kind of when you crisscrossed your arms over your chest, you know, and sometimes they use it in mental health. It's like giving yourself a hug. Oh, yeah. It's like almost it looks to me like showing yourself love when you, you know, when you're doing yeah, it. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You are. And part of loving yourself is is to be in harmony and balance with life and not not run around so so scared like like a lot of us do but there's solutions there's solutions and they may sound silly <laughs> but i'm going to say one one of them um honoring your feelings is one of the most important things we can do so if we have a feeling of anger which is fair if we have a feeling of sadness, um, depression, anxiety, nervousness, those are feelings that need to come up, not to be shut down. And I think we live in a culture where many of us deny our feelings. Like it's kind of almost like a suck it up kind of culture instead oh. of letting it out culture, honoring it, recognizing it and spitting it out in an honorable way. Yes, because the alternative of that would be to hold our feelings in. Say, let's talk about anger just for a second. We hold that anger in. We're angry. We're angry at our partner. The partner has no idea we're angry because we're festering inside of us. Then what happens? That festering implodes inside of us and explodes toward the other person. So the solution to that there is a solution, and it is to go to to feel authentically feel those feelings, face them, move through them, go to a mirror and say, damn it, look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I feel really, really angry right now. I feel so angry right now, but I'm going to honor that feeling. You look at yourself and you say, I'm going to honor that feeling. Those words are so powerful, Michelle, that you will start to move through those feelings and dissipate and your empowerment comes up from inside of you. That's one solution. Another solution is staying in the moment. So many of us relent on the past. We regret what happens in the past, but the past is gone. Yeah. And maybe the past kind of causes more of this fear and prevents us from actually living. Well, the more we focus on the bad things that happened to us in the past, instead of looking at the situation, facing it with a little bit of bravery, it does take strength to do that. And then recognizing that these things have a lesson attached to them. What is my lesson? So you try to release and, and let go of what happened and look at what gift the universe has given us for going through the experience. I think that's a really important point that you bring up, Josie, because, you know, what Dr. Alyssa Rankin also brings up is kind of like what you're saying, you know, that lesson. 
Like, you know, if you can differentiate what is a real fear and what's a false fear, you know, like fear of the unknown, that's really meant to teach you about like the blind spots or the growth edges in your life. Like it's meant to teach you that some area in your life may actually need healing. Yes. And it's, it's, it's meant to be recognized. It's meant to be a lesson. And either you recognize it or stuff it back in. But I think stuffing back in doesn't, is, you know, it does not not have consequences. Fear is a legitimate health risk. Acknowledgement and recognition is what we're going is what we're going towards. You know, when we're in relation with another person or group or anything, it doesn't have to be. It, it's not necessarily a romantic relationship. It's friends, anything. It could be a romantic relationship, a marriage partnership. We're called upon to cope and negotiate that relationship with honest communication. We can't do that unless we're honest with ourselves and honest with our feelings. You see some people, and um, they, they are not in touch with their feelings. They're not in touch with their feelings, Michelle. So instead, they shove them down, and it festers inside of them. And a lot of physical ailments are due from anxiety and stress of not staying in touch with how we feel. It's an honor. It's an honor system. And what we're telling ourselves and the, and the universe and other people is that I really love myself because damn, I'm standing in my truth, man. I'm going to feel how I feel and I'm going to honor it without taking it out on the people that I love the most. And isn't it kind of ironic? I feel like fear is so obvious in our culture right now, you know, like with COVID-19 and things that are happening in our society. But and we, we're living in a time where we don't want to get sick. But a lot of us are feeling so much fear. But fear also predisposes ourselves to illness. It, you know, affects our immune system. It does. You know, it can cause it can lead to cancer. You know, it can it can make you feel sicker, but that's the irony of it. Yeah, you're, yes, you are talking about physical illness in relation to how we're thinking and how we're feeling. That there's an actual, that there is a link. Oh, absolutely. There, there's absolutely a link because, you know, it's really funny. If you look back in the Bible, if you look at spiritual works, if you look at ancient works from... Oh, you know, philosophers and and spiritual masters. Three is a very, very harmonious and balanced number. What we have to remember about three is mind, body, spirit. It work. It work. They work in tandem together. Uh, most of the time, it starts with a thought, a belief system. And then it manifests out in our either our bodies or our lives. So it's all, you know, that, that threesome, that trio is all connected. And I think the truth is, like, a lot of us don't live in the unity of the mind, body, and spirit. We could be stuck in, like, one and not give balance to the others, you know. 
like you could be so deep in your thoughts you could be so deep in how you're feeling but that may not be the true feeling could it be ego or we're so we're so focused on just the body without the mind and the soul and i think we're doing ourselves a discredit if we don't recognize all of it the unity the balance right. the ultimate wholeness um we all have egos and that's natural but when they become inflated and it took me a long time to learn this when I'm in a situation or when even before I think I'm going to say something that's relatively going to affect somebody else, you know, hopefully for the good, <laughs> right? I always ask myself, is this my ego talking or is it authentic Josie? Is it is it the one where I, you know, wear that mask sometimes or is it I'm standing in my truth? What it, which is it? An inflated ego will ego, excuse me, will allow you to be fearful. Exactly, like act from fear. Uh, act from fear, talk from fear. Yes, healthy release of anger or any kind of emotion is not necessarily negative or unspiritual. As a matter of fact, it's brave, and the most unhealthy way to handle anger is to deny it. That's the most unhealthy way to do it. Um, so surrender and recognize and feel and own our feelings helps us to release the anger. I hope I've answered that. You did. And Josie, I guess, you know, you really brought up an interesting point. The idea that the ego could be driven by false ideas and not the truth. If that's the case and, you know, we have the inner truth inside of us, how do we curb the ego then? Like all of us have some component of it, but how do we curb something that's telling us not the truth so that we can hear the truth better? Okay. Personal growth isn't always easy, but it's worth it. And, you know, actually in spirituality, source and the universe and the spirit that's living within us, that entity wants to keep it really simple. It's ABC. It's really simple. If you listen to um, Dalai Lama, for instance, the Dalai Lama, you know, he struggles with um, the English language, but he does pretty good with it. And in between smiles, he says he has the most simple of messages because the universe picks simplicity in people as the purest form of teaching us because, you know, we're not all brain surgeons here. We have regular lives. We want to raise our children in a good way. We want to live a peaceful life. It's simple. So their message is simple. So it actually can be simple Sometimes hard because we're, we're used to feeling a certain way. We're used to feeling ego-based. Or perhaps... We're used to being scared. Like you're saying, perhaps we're making it unnecessarily hard for ourselves. Sometimes. And perhaps that's the ego contributing. Yeah, it's that's like maybe, the ego. Maybe ego is a thing in our bodies that makes so much noise to the point where we can't hear 
But maybe the thing is we have to address the ego and understand why. Why are you creating so much noise so that I can't hear my truth? Yes. And maybe it's kind of like bringing up the fact that areas in our life that perhaps really do need more healing. Well, the simple fact of the matter is, Michelle, that fear, fear fear-based things like anger, selfishness, greed, um, racism, war, uh, all of those stifle our moving forward. It cripples, it cripples the psyche to have an inflated ego. You can't move. Um, so, And none of those things that you described, Josie, have anything to do with love. You know? No. They're all far from love that you can imagine. Right. It's the opposite of love. So it's the faux fear that is the opposite of love. Now... Like I said before, personal growth isn't always easy, but it's worth it. But the more you grow spiritually, the easier it it gets to see the concept. Facing and moving through our challenges, which is fear, <laughs> you know, in this case, can assist in breaking old patterns. It's so much fun to break patterns that you don't need anymore. I love that. Uh, you know, I love that concept. We no longer need for our our evolution, and we, you know, there there's concepts that we give up that we no longer need for our further evolution, and so we can move forward. And one of the big ones is letting go of ego and trusting the higher power that lives within you, knowing that you are protected. And you are blessed every single day. The important thing is to seep yourself in gratitude for small things. Now, like everybody else in this world, I personally have been through some pretty tough times. Okay, so there were times when I learned the concept of gratitude. And I was asked to name five things I was grateful for that day. And in any given day when I was going through tough times and I was I was afraid of the unknown, I was afraid of what was going to happen next, I would say, I'd look up at the sky and I'd say, oh, I'm grateful for the blue sky today. That's all I could conjure up, but at least I was grateful for that. So then the universe brought me more blue sky. What? What we're grateful for gives us empowerment and shows us that it is a friendly universe. And if we focus on gratitude, then we become spiritual warriors. Spiritual warriors. And, um, you know, spiritual warriors, they surrender their wounds to their higher selves. Choosing the self knowing. It's the teachings of the self-knowing. So many people are self-taught and uh, gosh, they, they, they come out pretty darn good, you know? <laughs> I love what you said, Josie. You know, there are a couple of points that, you know, that, that you made me think about. Like the idea of breaking patterns that you no longer need. 
And I think in order to, to do that, you really need a whole lot of courage. But maybe it's possible because I think it's inevitable, you know, in life that we all feel pain. It's just like in everyone's life, we have pain. And, but I think we determine how long we suffer. Like that's something that we can control. And perhaps we can control that with addressing fear. Like you say, like, you know, being a spiritual warrior and surrounding our wounds to our higher self. Yes, um, we do experience pain in, in our lives, and that's part of learning learning our lessons, honoring that feeling of pain, going through the grief of a loss, um, is honoring honoring our feelings. But in the spiritual realm, we don't necessarily have to suffer. We can even have physical pain and not consider it suffering. And perhaps that's the unity of the mind, body, and soul yes, that you brought up before. Definitely. There's a link. There's a definite link to that. It's like a different way of seeing, seeing something that, you know, perhaps you're meant to grow from. If, yes, if we recognize the fact that we are, and not only recognize it, but acknowledge it in our lives, that we are not necessarily, we're not bodies that happen to have a, have a spirit or a soul. It's the opposite. We are spirits first and foremost. We are living in a body. We are light. If we took our bodies away, we would be one big light beautiful light. If you can imagine the most beautiful ray of light you've ever seen, that's what we are. So it's important to let that light shine from the inside to the outside. And that light lives within all of us. Instead of like living in our own spiritual prisons. Yes. It's easier to forgive ourselves and others when we recognize that we are light. And as we forgive other people uh, and we forgive ourselves, it's such a beautiful, empowering feeling. It's freeing. It's acceptance and forgiveness within ourselves and, and then other people is a freeing experience. It's just like taking that coat off that you don't need anymore in 90 degree weather, you know? Exactly. Yes. Because maybe fear, like you say, is the way in which we think we're keeping our souls safe. But isn't the question ultimately, are you actually keeping your soul safe by imprisoning it with fear? Oh, no, you're opposite. You're, you're not allowing your soul to grow. Our souls come down from wherever we came from, which is a beautiful place, I'm sure. That's my belief anyway. And here we are coming into this world with a beautiful, with a beautiful soul. And if we cripple that soul and our soul selves um, with fear, with anxiety, with, with trepidation... We are physically 
crippling our growth. So we need to unblock fear. And when we unblock and move through fear, what we're, what's on the other side is love. It's just, it's love because fear is an illusion. And Josie, you touched upon this earlier, but how can we address fear? How can we conquer our fears? By facing them. By acknowledging them. By, by acknowledging them, by moving, moving through them, by facing them. By feeling them. Yes, by honoring them. The honoring them because honoring, honoring the feeling, no matter how ugly you think it is, makes us empowered and strong. And I think in order to really feel them, like we mentioned before, you really have to cultivate a lot of courage. But that courage is actually inside of you. You may not be hearing it because of your fear, but that courage is inside of you. And we all have to grow that courage because if we don't let go in our own ways like of what's hurting us, how are we going to let the truth in? And we have to be brave for it. Yes, and great and yes, and grateful. I think we all have to be aware of the reality that there's times when we put on masks because we are conditioned to be afraid of what other people are going to think of of us. Oh my gosh. And then you the know, question- somebody might think that Josie's angry or Michelle is whatever, you know. But in a fearful state, we can feel threatened to be revealed as flawed or less pristine. Hey, we're not perfect, right? Well, in the universe eyes, in the spiritual eyes, we are perfect. And maybe we just have to believe it. Or we have take faith our, off in our, it. that mask because what, what we do is we put that mask on when we think we want to hide reality, but in, in reality, in, in the truth, we're hiding it from ourselves. And that's the sad part about it. We hide things from ourselves. We hide who we are from ourselves. Somebody else is not going to be able to receive our gifts and acknowledge who we really are, which is a powerful human being that wants to do something good on this earth. And I think the truth is, I think when we're all afraid, sometimes, you know, we we're seek- afraid of rejection, yeah, Michelle, and- too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to re- to interrupt you, but we're afraid of being rejected. But when we reject ourselves, we're really rejecting life and rejecting the the propelling to move us forward. I hope that makes sense. Yes. And I think something else that I wanted to say is that, you know, relationships are important. But this question of fear in our lives, sometimes we seek relationships, you know, for safety. But I think ultimately this is a question that a relationship can't save us. I think this is a question to really address fear is something that we have to look inside ourselves for. We have the answer. It's meant to be solved Yes. For our, by ourselves or, you know. Yes. We attract relationships to us. So at that moment, we meet somebody special or we 
or we become friends with somebody or we have a relation with a family member or you meet your future husband or wife at that at that moment you feel you have what you have to do is you have to look at yourself and how you feel about yourself at that moment you met that person because it, it's it's really it's really a gauge because we attract people to us where we are at the level that we're at. Um, and I, I'm just going to... So you're kind of saying like if you're a moment in your life where perhaps you feel bad, maybe you're not attracting the best people to you at that moment? Yeah, it's how you feel about... It's how you love yourself that gauges how... what what how, how you're going to be attracted to other people or other people are going to be attracted to you. I agree with you because I really wonder if the most re- important relationship in our life is actually the one with ourselves. Oh, the most important. You, know, because- you, said, you said a mouthful, Michelle. It's so true because, um, you know, in truth, no one really can reject us as long as we don't reject ourselves. When we reject ourselves, we're going to attract some someone or, or groups of people that are going to ultimately reject us. Exactly. Like if you honor yourself as a human being for who you are, that's who you're going to attract, people who honor you because you showed yourself that respect exactly. first yes. and foremost. You, I think you said it better than I did. You said it well. Um, you know, because that light, if we come, if we come to a person and we are, we're ultimately loving ourselves, that light that we show comes out and other people see it. And then our optimum can be given to other people and we can receive what we deserve which is love. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think when we fear makes us feel really small. And when you feel really small, like sometimes it's kind of hard to know where to begin. And I think, you know, that's kind of the time where perhaps having faith in something higher than yourself, having that faith to guide you is important to know that there's a helping hand there for you. Yes. And that will help with courage, I believe. Yes. Um, I have a lot. I have a great deal of compassion towards a person who doesn't realize that they have guides, that they have angels protecting them, that they have a, a friendly universe that they're living in that wants to for us to spread love and spread peace in our lives. Um, and goodwill. And Josie, does everyone have guides and angels? Or, you know, like, does even a murderer have guides and angels? Yes. Yes. But we also have, everybody does. Everybody does. No one has, no one's, no one's brought into this earth without uh, universal entities to help us. Now, some people have one. Some people have two. Some people have several. As your circumstances in your life change, it may change. 
but we come in with a group of people to help us. And um, that that's part of the light that resides in us. It's our highest power. And it gives us the capability to heal. The light gives us the capability to heal as we become spiritual warriors. And um, spiritual warriors are people who don't do not focus on fear, but they focus on love. We look at people who save other people's lives and we go, my gosh, what a hero. Um, they're facing they're facing their ultimate demise, but they're guided by that light inside of them that says, I need to go forward and help this other person. Like their goal is something beyond them, almost like for the greater Absol good. Yes. But Josie, if I may ask you, if we yes. all come in not alone, if we all come into this world with someone else, you know, like you say guides and angels, mm -hmm. then why do murderers act the way they do? Do they have less light to them? It's a, or? Good, it's a good question. We have light and dark. We have both of those energies when we're when we come in. But the ultimate answer to that question is relatively simple, Michelle. The universe, the source, gives each individual free will, which means that not everybody is going to act good. They're not going to act good. And most likely a murderer has a lot of karma to live out. They've had other lives where there, there's been violence in their lives, most likely. And uh, no matter what, if a person has free will, they can do whatever they, they, they want to do. The higher power has given us free will. I think ultimately, I guess what I'm taking is like ultimately in this life, we choose how much light and how much darkness to kind of mold our lives. Yes. Yes. And would you say fear? Where is fear? Is fear love or is fear darkness? Fear is, is darkness. Fear is a place where love can grow. It's an opportunity for love can, to grow because it's an empty space. It's an illusion. So fear can't be filled up with more fear. Now, Martin Luther King said something that I just, I just love. I love a lot of things that he said. But he said, you can't, and I'm going to quote him, you cannot wipe out hate with hate. Only love can do that. So it just gives me chills to think about what he said and, and, and the importance of that. Hate just breeds more hate. Fear breeds more fear. Violence breeds more violence. Oh, yes. And it's all fear-based. So he's saying... He's saying pretty much the same thing I am. You cannot wipe out hate with hate. Love can only wipe out hate. So hate is fearful. So what he's saying is love can wipe out fear. And if you think about like energy, the sun, when it really shines, it can take away our shadows. Yes. Yes. And, and the sun 
the warmth of the sun is is a sim- symbolic of growth. It's movement. If we don't have that movement, then we're stagnant. We're crippled uh, psychically. Uh, in our psyche, fear and anxiousness has a way of crippling us so we cannot move forward. Now, there's also the aspect of, in the concept of raising our vibration. And since 2012, and it's going to epitomize itself in 2000 and at the end of 2021, we have been working on, the universe has offered us more universal life force light. And this is going to help us. And what we're do, what we're working on right now is is working on higher our higher consciousness. What it does is it raises the vibration. When we raise our vibration in our individual lives, then we raise the vibration. It just goes out, 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 and it vibrates out, just like sound does. And how do we raise our vibration, Josie? You know, it's really, really simple. Learn to rest. We don't have to be doing something 24-7. We need to rest. Or balance. Balance. Harmony. We need to rest 60, you know, every 60 minutes, we need to take a few minutes to break. Maybe just to just to have a, a sip of tea or to look out into nature. Nature provides for us so much peace. And the ability nature nature isn't fearful. We have to we have to look at nature to show us that we don't have to be fearful. Now so so resting. Move move your body every day. Do something to move, stay active, move your body. That raises vibration. Well, there this next one, we can't do it right now. <laughs> but we can do it with our eyes. And to raise our vibration is hug 10 people a day, but we can't hug right now. So we can hug our families. We can hug our children. We can hug our animals. It's really important to touch another human being. That raises the vibration. Flowers in the house or in your environment raises the vibration. Essential oils raises the vibration. Um, music, beautiful music raises the vibration. Classical music, new age music, any kind of music raises the vibration. Can our thoughts raise our, our vibration? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because those are outside things that are helping your thought patterns to raise. Um, Instead of thinking... I'm a jackass that deserves nothing instead of instead of that saying, I love myself. Yes. And in order to love ourselves, we have to be ourselves. We have to know who we are. Part of spirituality is actually learning who we are. If we don't know who we are, then we can't really know another person or we can't really help another person. We have to realize that we're powerful human beings. So be yourself and find your truth in your experience as you experience your world. And and sometimes you can do it in unique ways. You don't have to do the status quo. 
you know, find what works for you and your uniqueness and stand in that truth. Another way to raise the vibration is to smile a lot. Now, even with our masks on, I see people when I go out into the world, my goal, <laughs> and it's kind of unconscious, but I love talking to strangers. I always have. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that in you. And I always like to observe people and to listen and to smile. Witness life. Witness life when you go out into the community. Um, observe. Maybe speak less and listen a little bit more. That does raise your vibration. Because I think with the concept of smiling, you know, you're connecting with another being. But at the same time, the way I view a smile is that it's like a window into your soul. And there are a lot of people who have stopped smiling. <laughs> but one thing that you said that really interested me as well, I mean, there's many things that you say that interest me. But, you know, I think in order to realize ourselves, Sometimes I think the truth is that the truth can be really painful and it's important to not give up. You know, I think that painful truth is important to feel in order for you to get to the next plane. It's like the mud that you need, the mud that you need to walk through mm -hmm. to get to like land. Yes, I, I think you're I think you're right. We have to move through the pain and and believe and know that it's going to dissipate. Nothing stays the same, Michelle. We, you know, our actions are our reactions. What we, how we act, what we put out, and I've said this before, is a boomerang. It's a boomerang. It comes back to us. Anything, even how we how we think when we wake up in the morning. But you know, it's also important to, to accept that maybe sometimes we're not in the greatest of moods or maybe sometime we need some time alone and be really, really gentle with ourselves. The, the most gen more gentle we are with ourselves, the more gentle we're gonna be um, peace, peace givers out there. Because it's showing mercy to ourselves. Yes. And I think like... And acknowledging the smiles. <laughs> and I think like what you say, I think believing and knowing is like kind of hard to define because it's not like you can really put a number to it. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I find the 12 steps of Alcoholic Anonymous really fascinating and meaningful. Oh, beautiful tips, yeah. yeah. Because God is mentioned a lot in the 12 steps. I don't think God is referred for a specific religious sect but more for having faith in something more than yourself, be it love, the air, the universe, the divine. And the second step in the 12-step approach is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Maybe this can help us stay aligned with our purpose. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, addiction is a whole nother subject matter. Uh, but it, the idea it, of having faith in our, you know, in something more than ourselves. Yes, yes, having faith in something more than ourselves, it, you know, to guide us. Yeah, um, that is addiction. 
is a whole is a whole subject matter that we could get into because it stems from you know we hyper focus on what kind of drug that person took or how he abused drugs or how she abused drugs but what we really have to look at in the in in the addiction aspect is what happened something happened a hurt happened and it festered and this is their way of fully fakely coping with their feelings of hurt it's um it's drugs are just like a a band-aid that is weakly put on that can you can take on and off really easily and it doesn't do any good it's just, it hides what's really going on in somebody's so it does that addiction does bring up a huge but even addiction has to do with fear. Fear. It's fear-based. And it's, it's not, not a real based. treatment. It's kind of pushing it, letting it take over our lives even well, more. Well, yeah, I mentioned the addiction because you were quoting uh, the, the Blue Book, which I'm very familiar with. Because um, some members of my family have been uh, suffer, suffered from addiction. So um, Bill and the Blue Book... They have a lot to say. I think that addiction is very, very hard. Uh, depending on what you're addicted to, it's very hard to to heal from that. So the the universal aspect of it, the um, the spiritual aspect of the twelve steps, is really asking this person who needs to be healed from the inside to know that there is something bigger than them and that guidance is there every single day. Like a life force carrying you. You're not alone. No, we are not not alone. We are not alone. We're surrounded by love. And however you want to define it, if it's good. (laughs) And... When we stifle ourselves and use drugs, it brings down our vi- vibration very, very fast and very, very sadly. It's it like brings killing down your our, mind, our vibration, your body, and your soul, all of it. Yes. Instead of going for the true answer to help the unity of the mind, body, and soul, mm-hmm. and actually addressing our fears, which are legitimate. Yeah. All the pain that festers inside of a person really causes, can cause disease. And the releasing of that, even though there's going to be a little, there might be a little bit of discomfort, you know, you know, really getting into the truth of how you really feel could be painful and bringing up a lot of stuff, you know, bringing up a lot of stuff that scared us in the past that is affecting us right now you know it is it's a big job but when you go to the universe with help when you go to the source the living spirit that lives with within us when we when we go to that to that entity with and ask for guidance there's no more powerful place you can put your troubles or your challenges. 
no, there isn't a higher place. So it's important for us to keep our vibration high so we can have a really good connection with spirit. And, you know, you mentioned spiritual warrior. That's uh -huh. what a spiritual warrior does, you know, release their fears to their higher self. And it costs nothing. So why not us? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, another thing to raise the vibration is, um, you know, I talked about listening, uh, listening more, observing more, talk, maybe talking less. And also listening to music. Did I say that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I did say that. Okay, it do, it does it does bring up our vibration to listen. And to. doesn't it just naturally make us feel better sometimes if you're listening to something that you like? You know. Oh. Yes. It's I mean, like we're controlling our environment in a way, but that environment is very useful to us. Yes. You know, you know it's a it's beauty, it's art for the things that you see and perhaps don't see. Yes. Um, art, uh, music is an expression of somebody's creativity. Creativity is love. Another thing that's something that we, we want to look at in our lives is more beauty and more love. So if we, if we focus on the beauty of our lives, then that's what we're going to get back. We focus on the blessings of our lives and we're and the gratitude that we have for each thing that happens even even things that aren't so hot you know we learn from that experience so that's growth because it's not anything to be afraid of exactly and perhaps you know in all of our lives as the truth is we're all afraid maybe it's about not letting fear transform us you know, but perhaps making, perhaps waking up to who you really are. Uh, it's not allowing fear to define us. Yes. And it's really not about curing fear, but maybe letting fear cure you. I like that. Yes. I, I, I like the way you just said that, Michelle, because we come into this earth good and not so good things are going to happen to us or the people around us that we've gotten really close to in our lives, our families, our friends, our clients, our loved ones. So when we come in, we come in as pure, loving, soulful, spiritual individuals. And our parents kind of show us what fear is so <laughs> we maybe can, like we can thank them for that well i think and also like other our path you know may show us what our fears are yeah but perhaps you know, yeah thank you path, for not you yeah. know I, I don't want i don't mean to point fingers at parents mm -hmm. but you're right you know life and you know everything we go through michelle we knew we we're it was going to happen because we negotiated before we came in. <laughs> so we, we can't fear what we already know. <laughs> and I think you know we just we just we just forget. Yeah. So we need to remember. And I think like if your path shaped your fears, then you can also let this path 
cure you? I think we have the answer inside of us. Yes, I I agree with that. Uh, fear and the things that happen to us are teachers. So there, it gives us an opportunity to to learn. Now, when I was a younger woman, I worked on, I used to call it projectiling my life. I used to lay in bed and think, okay, I have an appointment at two and absolutely dread my life before, you know, because it was unknown before it even happened. And like fear of the unknown, the fear of the unknown. So I would projectile myself into the future. That means throwing up. I would actually not, not literally, but I would throw myself into the future instead of staying in the moment, forgetting about the bad parts of the past and just looking at the lessons and the blessings of the past. And just, it's really important for us to stay in the now, even though we think, oh my gosh, this has been a tough year. This has been a bad year. We have to stay in the moment to protect our, we have to stay in our bodies Mm -hmm. and stay in the moment to protect our bodies, our mind, and our spirit. Because I think the truth is dealing with the now is actually how you're going to, you know, determine your future, you know? Absolutely. Oh, that is universal law number whatever, but it is a universal law that says, Yes. Um, And isn't the truth, Josie, who would you be if fear wasn't stopping you? I think that's the question ultimately that we can all answer. Who would you be if fear was not stopping you? Your genuine, unique, beautiful, soulful self that has a purpose in this world. The more afraid we are, the more we stifle that purpose. Um, And like your book's title, You Were Born a Star. Now Now what? what? (laughs) Now what are we going to do about it? Yeah, we were born a star. Now what? You want to get to that point. Yes. Yes. And Josie, thank you so much for a beautiful conversation. It was so fun. Well, you know, fear can be daunting, but we've got solutions for fear. So it ended up being a really positive talk. Um, We're not just going to say, okay, there's fear and that's it because there's a solution to it and it's not real and we can really grow from realizing and moving through fear. And thinking by thinking about it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. See you next time on another edition of Lost or Found. Follow us, Lost or Found Podcast, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends.